Uh, thanks to Johnny for leading the service for us and for the boys and girls for taking part. And uh, it's good to be with you today in Sainfield. Thank you for coming out tonight again. And we trust that the Lord will bless his word as we seek to proclaim the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just burn a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these lovely hymns. We thank you for the truth that's contained in them. And we thank you, Lord, for the saviors that's presented. And we pray tonight that as Christ is uplifted, that there might be that drawing power unto himself. Remember that he said, And I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto myself. And we realize that it's only by the Holy Spirit, by the work of your Spirit, Lord, that that people are drawn to the Savior. And so we pray, O God, that you would defeat the powers of darkness, Lord, that would come against this meeting tonight and that would come against this message, Father. We pray, O God, that you will defeat them and we ask, Lord, that you would do a work, O God, for eternity. We pray for every person gathered. You see each one that's here this evening, Lord, You know where we stand before thee. And we just pray, O God, if there's those here who are not saved, Lord, that this might be the night where you would save them, Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. And so we come to thee because we need to come. So here, these are prayers. And continue with us. And bless us while we wait on thee. For Christ's sake. Amen. Now, I want to read a portion from 2 Timothy chapter 4. Second book of Timothy, chapter 4, and we read from verse 1 through to 8. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, Exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist, make proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. We'll end there at that verse and pray that God will bless the reading of his holy word. The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, who was a great asset to Paul in his ministry. And he's writing to Timothy from Rome, where he was a prisoner, waiting to be brought before Caesar Nero for the second time. And when you're brought before one of these guys for the second time, you realize that there's not much hope of you getting another chance. 
So he has been brought before Nero as the second time. And Paul knew that this time uh, that he came, that death was just a short time away, just a short departure away. And, 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 And what Paul is saying here, he says here, he says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. He speaks to Timothy, first of all, about those who turn away their ears from the truth. He speaks to him about uh, the fact that we need to watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered. And he was saying to Timothy, you're very soon going to have to stand in my shoes. You're going to have to take my place for the time of my departure is at hand. And I want to ask you the question tonight, each one that's gathered here with us, can you say what Paul said? Because Paul used these words, he says, I am now ready. Can you say what Paul said? You may not want to die, or you may not be looking to die, but the point is, are you ready to die? Because it's very true that we know not what a day may bring forth. And sometimes death can visit people unexpectedly. They may be in the best of health. They may have no problems physically or otherwise. And yet we, we get word or a phone call or, or see it on the, on, on the paper that they've passed away suddenly. And so it's important, it's important to be ready, friends. Uh, being ready underlines the uncertainty of tomorrow. The uncertainty of tomorrow. Being ready underlines the brevity of life. Life passes by quickly. I remember we were looking at the coronation yesterday of King Charles. I remember as a small boy, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, when she uh, was crowned. And, and, And that span of life has gone by so quickly. It underlines the reality of eternity because eternity is real. And eternity is before each one of us here because we were born, uh, our body was born for a certain while, a certain span of life, but we were given a soul and a soul is for all eternity. The Bible teaches us about the hereafter. It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, says the writer, the judgment. So uh, these things are underlined by death, the reality of eternity. And when you put those things all together, they bring before you the urgency of salvation. So it's important to be saved. It's important to know the Lord. And it's absolutely important 
to be ready. To be ready to die is important because it means that you're going to meet God. And that's a solemn thought. Amos the prophet said, prepare to meet thy God. And we're going to meet God. All of us here in this room tonight, each one of us will meet God, a holy God, a righteous God, a loving God. But we're going to meet God and we need to prepare for that. We prepare for so many things in life. My young people prepare for uh, A-levels and and, and studies and all the rest of it. Some folks prepare, maybe they're getting married soon and they have to make preparation for that day. And there's so many things that we prepare in life. And the farmers, they prepare the fields to bring the crops in. And we have to prepare for so many things. And yet, now, people s- seem to put death to the background, to the back burner. But Paul is saying here, I am now ready to die. I'm ready to meet God. Before I say anything more about being ready to meet God, I want to look at some people who were not ready. Some people who were not ready. And the first one that came to mind as I looked through this and prepared it was the man uh, that we read about in Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, by the, 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 the Pharisee and the publican. You remember the story that Jesus told about the Pharisee and the publican. And in Luke 18, he said this, uh, <clears throat> he said this to us, Luke chapter 18 and verse 10. He says, Two men went up to the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners and just adulterers, or even this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give all that I possess. And you see, here's a man, and he has no sense of his own need. No sense of his own need. This man saw the sinfulness and the guilt of others. And he judged himself by others. But we see nothing wrong with themselves. You know, friends, if a man doesn't know that he's a sinner, my, if he doesn't know that he's a sinner, he'll not know that he needs a saviour. If he doesn't know that he's lost, then he'll not know that he needs to be saved. If a person doesn't know that they're guilty before God, then they'll not know the need of her forgiveness. And the man or woman have no sense of their own need. They look at other people, they judge themselves, they measure themselves by their next door neighbor or by, by, or by the people that they work with and so on. They measure themselves by them. And my dear friends, they have no sense that they're not ready. Yes, he, here's a man who was not ready because he was judging himself and measuring himself by what the other man or the other woman did and the kind of life that they lived. 
And then we find here something, someone else, I'm sure, whom you'll know very well. Uh, and that's a way back and uh, forward there in John's Gospel, chapter 3. Remember in John's Gospel, chapter 3, my, there's a man that we're brought face to face here called Nicodemus, a man of the Pharisees, a ruler among the Jews. And looking at Nicodemus, you would have thought that if ever a man was ready for heaven, if ever a man was ready to meet God, then this was the man. This was the man. He was a religious man. He was a Pharisee. They were the religious people, the religious sect of the day. He was respectable. He was a leader among the Jews. Now, he was not only religious and respectable, but he was righteous. He did that which was right. He believed in the things which were right. He sought to do the things that was right. But now, when the Lord Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus spoke to him, we find that the Lord Jesus pointed out to Nicodemus that he had a great need in life. And he said to Nicodemus, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And he's pointing out to Nicodemus that in spite of his religion and respectability and righteousness, he needed to be born again. He needed a new birth experience. And down in verse 7, he repeats it and he says, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. You see, friends, my, this man was not ready because he had no second birth experience. The Lord Jesus didn't say to Nicodemus, do you attend the temple? He didn't say that to him. He didn't say to Nicodemus, do you observe all the feast days? didn't say that to him. He didn't say uh, to, to, to Nicodemus, do you say your prayers? didn't say any of those things to him. But my dear friends, he spoke to him about being born again. And I would ask you tonight, I would ask every person here this evening, have you this second birth experience? Do you know what it is to be born again? The first time we were born, we were born in sin and shaping and iniquity. But Jesus says we need a second birth. We need to be born from above. Mind, if you're not born again here, friends, if you can't go back to that time or that place when you came as a sinner to Jesus Christ and called upon him for mercy and trusted him as your saviour, then you're not ready tonight. I don't know how, I don't know how religious you may be. It, it doesn't matter how holy you, you may try to be. If you're not born again, that you're not ready. People who are not ready. I think of Cain. Way back in Genesis 4. You know the story of Cain and Abel. They brought both an offering to the Lord. Abel brought a lamb. His offering was acceptable. He brought a blood offering, an offering whose blood had to be shed. That offering was acceptable to God. But Cain brought the offering of the fruit of the ground. He was a tiller of the ground. 
And I'm sure he brought the very best of fruit and vegetables and all the rest of it. But it was not acceptable. It was not acceptable. You see, this man was not ready because he had no sacrifice to satisfy God. And if you have no sacrifice to depend on, if you have no sacrifice tonight to depend on, then you're not ready. We could go on tonight. I think of the people in Noah's day. Noah is preaching, uh, my, as he builds the ark, God has told to Noah that he's coming to judge the antediluvian world. What a world it was in the days of Noah. My dear friends, it, it tells us that the, the, the wickedness of man was great on the earth and the imagination of his heart was only evil continue. What, what, what kind of a world does that remind you of tonight? The wickedness of man was great in his heart and the imagination of his thoughts was only evil continually. That was the world that Noah lived in. It's the very same as the world that you and I live in tonight. That's the kind of world we live in. When man's thoughts are evil and deeds are evil and the holy God was going to judge the world and send a saviour. And he comes to Noah and he tells him to build an ark of gopher wood, to pitch it within and without with pitch, and all those that enter through the door into the ark will be saved. And Noah preached. And after he preached and pointed them to the ark, told them about the way of salvation, Yet only eight people entered into the ark. And when the flood came and the judgment came, all the others, for by the eight, were not ready because there was no saviour that they went to in the storm. And you know, friends, we live in days when people have many things. People have wealth and have worked hard and done well, been successful, I don't begrudge them their wealth. And people have possessions, and people have luxury. We live in days of education and all kinds of pleasures. But it's sad to say that many people have all these things, but one thing they don't have is this, they have no saviour. There's people out there tonight, there's no, they haven't a saviour. They haven't a hope. They have no saviour. Yes. And if you have no saviour tonight, if you're not trusting in the saviour of sinners, then you're not ready. You're not ready. These people were not ready, but Paul, who was once the chief of sinners, Paul says, I am ready. I am ready. And here is a man who was ready. And this man who was ready reveals his past life in 1 Timothy, the first book of Timothy, and chapter 1. And he says this about it. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13 and 15. He says, you know, who was before, he's giving his testimony here. He says, who was before a blasphemer 
and a persecutor and a jurist. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of the Lord was exceeding abundantly with faith and love which is in Jesus Christ. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And dear friends, here's Paul and he was the chief of sinners. He hated the gospel. He hated the name of Jesus. He wanted to destroy the church. But you know, on the Damascus road, Damascus road one day, the chief of sinners, Saul of Tarsus, came face to face with God and Jesus Christ. As he went down the Damascus road, a guilty, hell-deserving sinners determined to frustrate and to blot out all these things, God stopped them. God stopped them. And you know, God can stop people on the road of life. A whole lot of people think that they don't need God and they're bigger than God and all the rest of it. But God can stop people. And not only did God stop them, but God spoke to them. And God shined a light into his heart and God showed him He was a sinner. He showed him his need. And God saved him that day because there on the Damascus road, this man who was the chief of sinners cried out for mercy. And he puts it like this, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul was ready and he was able to say, I'm now ready because of that Damascus road experience when God came face to face with this sinner and my melted his heart and brought him to himself. You know friends, people who are ready and I'm sure there's I know there's many here tonight in this meeting. The great majority I would say in this meeting tonight are ready. There may be some uh, I don't know you all there may be some who are not ready there may be some who are not saved as yet. But people who are ready, what kind of people are they? They're people who have recognized their sinfulness and their need. There was a time in my life as a young man of 18 that I needed to recognize that I was a sinner who needed to be saved. And people who are ready not only recognize their sinfulness and their need, but they realize that God loves them. And they realize that God so loved them that he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into this world to die for them. And that there on the cross of Calvary, I was singing that lovely hymn tonight about the cross and about Calvary. There on the cross of Calvary, the Son of God gave his life and shed his blood And God's wrath was poured out upon him as a substitutionary sacrifice. And there he died for me and shed his blood for me that he might save me. But the wonderful news of the gospel is that the third day he rose again from the dead. And he rose again as a living saviour 
who is able to meet people and young people and all kinds of people at the point of their need and save their soul and forgive their sin and bring salvation into their life which will last for all eternity. And that's what it means to be ready. That's what it means to be ready. Dear friends, tonight people who already recognize their sinfulness and realize the love of God in Christ and they respond, they respond to the drawing power of the gospel through the work of the Holy Spirit. God draws people to himself like like Saul of Tarsus. God just stopped him in his tracks, you know. God just said, you're going no further. My dear friends, people who already respond, they respond to the invitation of the gospel. They respond to the, to the voice of God in their heart. They respond to the work of the Holy Spirit. And they come to that place as a poor, guilty sinner where they repent of their sin. Repent of your sin means sorry for your sin. It means to turn, do about turn, turn your back on your sin and turn to God. I don't hear much preaching about repentance in these days. Don't hear much about it. People need to repent because Jesus said, except ye repent, ye shall in all likewise perish. You can't have sin and salvation. It's one or the other. People who are ready receive Christ as their own and personal saviour. Paul says, I am ready. I am now Ready, because God has forgiven me and God has saved me. You know, no matter what we make ready for, it always involves preparation. I had to prepare this message. The student has to prepare for exams. The same applies to a woman preparing a meal. My, can you say I'm ready, ready to die, ready to meet God. My dear friends, ready, ready to die, ready to meet God. Could you just take it another little bit? You know, the Bible teaches us that the Lord Jesus Christ who came and shed his blood and rose again to be our saviour and is able to save us, he said himself that he would come again. He says, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And that's what we're waiting for. Those of us who know the Lord, that's what we're waiting for in these days in which we live. And you know, my, in Matthew 24, uh, in verse 3, his disciples, as he sat and talked about these things on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And you know, friends, the Lord told them about different signs, talked about the, the fig tree, and said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the coming of the Son of Man. And he points out that this will happen suddenly and unexpectedly. And over there in verse 
43, it says, But know that in the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief had come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. And then he says, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. See, we need to be ready to die, ready to meet God. And I wonder tonight, are you ready to go? The Lord said, I will come again. And he's coming for those who know him. Therefore, be ye also ready. For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Yes, Murray McShane, one of the great godly men of a far gone day. Murray McShane brought his elders into his vestry one Sunday night before he went out to preach the gospel. And he said, men, how many of you here, and there's about four or five of them, says, how many of you here believe the Lord could come before this night is ended? And they sort of scratched their head and they said, well, we believe the Lord is coming, but we don't believe he's just coming as, as soon as that. One said, you know, he may, he may come maybe in a week or so's time or maybe in a year or so's time or but I don't believe he's coming just tonight, as short as that. And McShane looked at them and he said, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Dear friend, he could come as quickly as that. Are you ready tonight? And I finish with this thought this evening as we think of this, this text from what Paul said I think of Acts chapter 8, the Acts of the Apostle chapter 8, and there you remember that Philip, Philip was directed uh, to the desert. He, He was directed to go and preach the gospel in a place called Samaria. And uh, it says here, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And a great multitude got wonderfully saved. And then the Spirit came to Philip and directed him to go to a desert place. Uh, and it was there that he saw this Ethiopian eunuch traveling across the desert with his caravan of uh, assistance with him. The Ethiopian eunuch happened to be the chancellor of the exchequer of the Ethiopian kingdom at that time, and he was on business. And the Lord directed Philip towards this man. He brings him away from revival in the city of Samaria, when many was getting saved, to one man who's crossing the desert. And he directs them to go to that man. And as he goes to that man, the man was reading from Isaiah 53. And you know, God's timing is perfect. God knows where people are. And as Philip comes uh, alongside him, the man says, what meaneth the scripture about this man? He, He asks him what this is all about. And Philip begins to expound Isaiah 53 to him. 
And the Ethiopian said, Of whom speaketh this man of himself or of some other man? And Philip, beginning at the same passage, the same scripture, preached unto him Christ. And that Ethiopian eunuch could gloriously see it. Could gloriously see it. You see, friends, here's a man who was ready for the gospel. He was ready for the gospel. And I believe that there's people out there in the world that we run into each day or bump shoulders with, and they're ready for the gospel. They're seeking. They're wanting to know about their soul. They're wanting to know about eternity. They're wanting to know about the remedy. And this man was ready to go, Oh, may God be working in your heart tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and you're just ready. You're just ripe for the gospel. This is it tonight here. God has channeled you to come here. Paul says, I am now ready. You ready tonight, friends, to die? You ready to meet God? My dear friends, are you ready to go if the Lord would come? And I wonder, are you ready for the gospel? Because if you're ready for the gospel, you can leave this place tonight ready for heaven, ready to meet the Savior. It's good to be ready. It's wise to be ready. And the wonderful thing is, you can be ready if you come to Jesus and trust him. If you would like to do that tonight, maybe you're ready, maybe you want to be saved, if you would like to do that tonight, why not have a word at the door or see some of the elders who are here? Don't go away until you make sure that you're ready to die, and ready to go, and ready to be saved. May the Lord bless his word. And speak to our hearts tonight and your heart through it for his dear name's sake. We're going to sing our closing hymn. It's 273 in the book, but it's here on the screen. In times like these, you need a savior. In times like these, you need an anchor. Be very sure, be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. How true those words are, how wise they are. In times like these, in which we're living, we need a saviour, and you need that saviour now. Let's sing it together. Thank you.